Good morning, church. Isn't God absolutely wonderful? It is such a blessing to be able to assemble amongst uh, you uh, together, worshiping the one true God. And what an amazing blessing it is. It is good to see each of you here this morning, both members and visitors alike. We thank you for your attendance, and we're here to praise God. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for allowing us to say your name. Hallowed be your name, separate from the earth, separate from the universe, separate from all. Thank you for allowing us to be your children. Thank you for your love and for your blessings. For Jesus, your great son, who came to this earth, who lived a perfect life that we might be saved. We're thankful, Lord God, that his motivation to live the way that he lived was because of the sake of righteousness and his righteous love. We thank you, Lord God, for the mercy that you've given to us through Jesus. We ask this morning as we worship you in praise, honor, and glory that we might keep our minds from worldly thought. We might focus only on you, on your word, on your will, and on your way. Thank you for, again, your mercy, for your blessings, for your care, for your compassion, and for your patience. Since Jesus holy, magnificent, most awesome, and precious name, we do pray and thank thee. Could be thy will. Amen. Please turn to Ezekiel chapter 21. And we are still continuing uh, on the subject matter of Revealing Jesus or Christ Jesus revealed. And what a blessing it is for God to open up our minds to understand. Have you ever heard the saying that the God of the Old Testament is the mean God and the God of the New Testament is the nice God? You ever heard that? I think we're learning that the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. That God is full of mercy, grace, and truth. I want us to look in the book of Ezekiel, and and gain a couple of thoughts, if you will, and try to uh, help me to try to package them together as the scripture uh, does so. So Ezekiel tells us that Jesus is the rightful owner of the royal crown, that that diadem of Israel, that that God who is over all. He would come, and he would reign over Israel. He would reign over all. And he has the right to reign. So in Ezekiel 21, we begin in verse 26, please. The Bible says, Thus says the Lord God, Remove the turban and take off the crown. This will be no more. The same. Exalt that which is low and abase that which is high. A ruin, a ruin, a ruin. I shall make it. This also will be no more until he comes whose right it is and I shall give it to him. You see, all the kings, turn to Hebrews please, chapter 1. All of the kings up to this point have lived uh, evil and wicked lives and even been guilty of, of evil and wickedness. But there is one who was coming who would be not just king, 
who would not only be the one who had the right to wear the crown, but there was one who was coming that would be shepherd, chief shepherd, and king, appointed by God. In Hebrews chapter 1, in verse 8, the Bible says, But of the Son, he says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above all of thy companions. And thou, Lord, in the beginning didst lay the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. And so God speaks, if you will, turn to Hebrews, I mean, uh, Isaiah chapter 11. God speaks here uh, as a psalm that is quoted from Psalm chapter 45. And he speaks of Jesus, the creator. He speaks of Jesus, the great one. He speaks of Jesus who would come to the earth in a lowly state, but would bring salvation to humanity. And listen to what a righteous king does. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Then a shoot, as Jesus, will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness, he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Also, righteousness will be the belt about his loins and faithfulness the belt about his waist. Sounds like a good king. Sounds like the right king. But you know, Israel had the same problem that we face today. And we hear it often. Uh, Turn, please, to Ezekiel chapter 18 from people. We hear it often from the church. We hear it often from those who uh, don't even believe in God. We hear this so often, some of us believe it ourselves. The ways of God are not fair. I mean, we heard what a righteous king does. He judges in righteousness. But you know, God is not always fair, right? I mean, you know, God has given us, what? Rules? Commandments, right? He's given us commandments. He's given us rules that we have to follow. And we're like, why do we have to have all these rules that we have to follow? And God is not fair. And I don't really like these. I know it's because he's righteous. And we struggle with righteousness. Now, I want just just for a moment to go back 
thinking about this chief shepherd and this righteous king. And the chief shepherd and the righteous king who will, who will come is, is still the chief shepherd and righteous king who is there, right? He's God. And I want us to look into to the mind and, and hear the echoes, if you will, from the hearts of the Israelites. What did they think about God? How did they feel about God? How do we feel about God? Is there any relationship? Listen, Ezekiel chapter 18, please, beginning at verse 29. But the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not right. And then God asked the question, are my ways not right, O house of Israel? Is it not your ways that are not right? Well, we need to challenge that. I don't know, God, because you have all these rules and we don't really like your rules. And you see, we, we could follow these idol gods, if you will, and, and they don't give us these rules. Well, yeah, because you make them. And not only did you make the idol gods, you made the rules. That the idol God dictates, if you will, demands. And that, in actuality, they're your rules. You see, we cannot live without rules. Everything in life has demands and rules. Your car has rules and demands. It demands you have a key fob. What about preachers term like 20 years ago? I would have said a key, wouldn't I? <laughs> a key fob. Or else you may not enter. You will not drive that vehicle. Everything has rules. Stop sign. Inanimate object. It just sits there lonely. But it has a rule that we must obey. God's rules, Israel said, they just aren't fair. They had a parable. They had a proverb they said about God. Chapter 18, here's what they said about God. Here, God, your rules aren't fair. Here's what they said. Verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, What do you mean by using this proverb concerning the land of Israel? Saying, The fathers eat the sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge. What? All right. As I live, declares the Lord God, you are surely not going to use this proverb in Israel anymore. You see, what, what they were saying, Judah didn't like their current circumstance. Turn to Jeremiah, please, chapter 2. They didn't like where they were. They didn't like their position. You see, they were about to be carried off into Babylonian captivity. And they looked at God and they said, You know, God, the only reason why you're angry at us is because you are holding us accountable uh, for the sins of our fathers. You, you, you know, God, you, you're angry at them, and so because you are angry with them, you, you're making our teeth messed up. Because we are, if you will, re- receiving the punishment of our father's sins. And God says, wait a minute, where, where did you get that from? And we'll come back to that in, in just a moment. Judah doubted God's justice and questioned his judgments. You're going to bring us a righteous king? God, you're not righteous. God, your ways aren't fair. So God sends Jeremiah the prophet along with Ezekiel. And and Jeremiah comes with this in a different angle. He says, I want you to think about something, Judah, for just a moment. 
I want you to think about you. Don't, don't think about your fathers any longer. I want you to step back for a moment and I want you to look at yourselves. That always gets scary, doesn't it? Verse 4, Jeremiah chapter 2. The Bible says, Hear the word of the Lord. Oh, house of Jacob and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord. What injustice did your fathers find in me? That they went far from me and walked after emptiness and became empty. They judged me too. And when they judged me, what did they find wrong with me? Answer, nothing. But they walked away from me. Continuing on in verse 6. And they did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt? who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of droughts and of deep darkness, through a land that no one crossed and where no man dwelt. And I brought you into the fruitful land to eat its fruit and its good things, but you came and defiled my land and my inheritance you made an abomination. The priest did not say, Where is the Lord? And those who handle the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal, and walked after things that did not profit. Jeremiah, what does that have to do with us? I mean, I, yeah, that's what they did, but that's not who we are. Verse 19. Your own wickedness will correct you. And your apostasies will reprove you. Know therefore and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. And the dread of me is not in you, declares the Lord God of hope. So what God is saying in essence is you read the whole chapter. Yeah, your fathers did evil and walked away from me. But you received the blessings of the land that I promised them. I didn't withhold that from you. I gave you everything I promised I would give to you in spite of what your fathers did. I blessed you. But you walked in the ways of your father instead of turning back to me. I need you to look at yourself Look into the mirror of self and discover who you are and what you have done before you judge me. Okay. And then he makes it real personal. He continues on through chapter 2. And in chapter 3, he continues this this thought. In verse 6, if you will, we'll pick up uh, what God has to say about their faithlessness. Verse 6. Then the Lord said to me, In the days of Josiah the king, have you seen what faithless Israel did? She went up on every high hill and under every green tree. And she was a harlot there. And I thought after she had done all these things, she would turn to me. But she did not turn or return, excuse me. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. And I saw that for all the adulteries of faithless Israel, I had sent her away away and given her a writ of 
divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but she went and was a harlot also. Wait, 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 wait. So Judah watched Israel sin and live in sin, and then they watched, she watched the Assyrian captivity in 722 B.C. The Assyrians came along and took Israel away. And Israel, they are no more at this point, as we're reading in Jeremiah around 605 B.C. Judah saw it. They saw God's righteous judgment. What did they do? God said, I thought for sure, after you saw all of this, you, you would change. But uh, no, no, you, you didn't. Verse, verse 8 again. And, and I saw for all the adulteries of faithless Israel, I had set her away and given her a writ or a certificate of divorce. And yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but she went and was a harlot also. And it came about because of the lightness of her harlotry that she polluted the land and committed adultery with stones and trees. And yet in spite of all of this her treacherous sister judah did not return to me with all her heart but rather in deception declares the lord you you know how that works out right you become oh god if you give me this and i will never uh, y'all ever heard that before if you get me out of this one lord you you can you can depend on me from this point forward and Judah, that's what Judah was saying to God. Oh God, if you, if you will help us, I know we're idolaters and, and we need not to be that way and we're, we're going to change. If you'll just do this for us and, and you'll protect us and, and God did. But God said, you came in deceit, but I knew you were coming in deceit. Because verse 11 says, And the Lord said to me, Faithless Israel has proved herself more righteous than treacherous Judah. You became worse than Israel and they were bad Ezekiel please chapter 18 and then they have the audacity to say God you are not being fair toward us so what's happening in the context of Ezekiel is is the, the southern kingdom, Judah and Benjamin, are about to be carried off into Babylonian captivity, where they'll remain for 70 years because of the wickedness and treachery that was in their hearts. We won't talk about all the bad things they did, but there were quite, quite a number of horrible things that, that Israel did in, or Judah did in their idolatry. idolatry. Are the ways of the Lord right? When I look at my life and I look at how perfect I am, and I look at God and I say, well, God's not so perfect. And I, I kind of had that backwards, don't I? Right? But sometimes that's how we look at God, isn't it? We look at God like, you know, God, you know, I've done everything right. And so I don't understand why. You... And see, that's not true. And what's supposed to happen in life is we're supposed to look back at life and say, where did I mess up? With God. But instead, what we do is we go, God, you, you made a promise, and you haven't kept your promise, and God, it's you that messed up, and, and all these rules you have, and, and these regulations you put upon us, and I'm not going to reflect on self. I'm going to look to God, and I'm going to blame God for all the bad stuff in my life, although I may be reaping the consequences of my own sin. 
Verse 25 again. They say again, yet you say, the way of the Lord is not, it's not right. Here now, O house of Israel, is my way not right? Is it not your ways that are not right? And they, and they just, they just couldn't see it. God says, look, I'll, let me tell you what I'm doing. I, I'm not punishing you for the sins of your fathers. I'm punishing you for your own sins. You, you see, a, a son is not going to bear the iniquity of the father. I'm not, I'm not going to do, what I'm going to do is punish every man according to his own ways. And in verse 4 of chapter 18, he goes on in verse 1 and all the way down, he, he's talking about this righteous man. If a man uh, lives righteously, if he does all these great things uh, that are according to my law, he keeps my commandments, then he'll be blessed. I want to pick that up, if you will, in verse 8 for time's sake. Verse 8 says, if he does not lend money on interest or take increase, if he keeps his hand from iniquity and executes true justice between man and man, if he walks in my statutes and my ordinances so as to deal faithfully, he is righteous and will surely live, declares the Lord God. He said, well, wait a minute, God, that's not fair. Well, why isn't that fair? Wait, wait. okay, let's keep reading. Let's keep the context. Remember, the context is, God, your ways aren't fair. And God says, look, if a guy does the right thing, he honors me, he lives for me, he's doing what's right, he's living, I'm going to bless that man. And then he goes on, he talks about maybe that man's son, maybe that man's son doesn't live right. Verse, Verse 10, please. Then he may have a violent son who sheds blood and who does any of these things to a brother. So in other words, a son is not quite like the father. Verse 11. Though he himself did not do any of these things, that is, he is even he even eats uh, at the mountain shrines and defiles his neighbor's wife, oppresses the poor and needy, commits robbery, does not restore a pledge, but lifts up his eyes to the idols and commits abominations. He lends money on interest and takes increase. Will he live? He will not live. He has committed all these abominations. He will surely be put to death. His blood will be on his own head. And they said, whoa, wait a minute, God. You're not being fair. You see how this is all mixed up? They're kind of... Thank God that was the Old Testament. It has nothing to do with us, right? Judah, you're not being punished because of what your father did. You're being punished because of what you have done. Look at verse 24. Verse 24. But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity, and does according to all the abominations that a wicked man does, will he live? All his righteous deeds which he has done will not be remembered for his treachery which he has committed and his sin which he has committed for them 
he will die. In other words, what, what, what God is saying is that the righteous man, now he's done evil. He's out there murdering and, and all the bad things that people aren't supposed to do. And then God says, okay, now you're going to be punished for your evil. He can't say, whoa, 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 God, whoa. Remember, what all the, remember I did these other ten things over here yesterday, so you can't punish me for what I'm doing today, right? Verse, verse 25. Yet yeah, you say, the way of the Lord is not right. Hear now, house of Israel. Is my way not right? Is it not your ways that are not right? What in God judging now? <laughs> but don't judge me. So here's what we know about God. God's ways are always right. God's always willing and ready to forgive. Isn't he? Listen again to the the context for just a moment, please. Verse 24. When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity and does according to all the abominations that a wicked man does, will he live? And his righteous deeds which he has done will not be remembered for his treachery which he has committed and his sin which he has committed. For them he will die. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not right. Hear now, O house of Israel, is my way not right? Is it not your ways that are not right? When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity and dies because of it, for his iniquity which he has committed, he will die. Again, when a wicked man turns away from his wickedness which he has committed and practices justice and righteousness, he will save his life because he considered and turned away from all his transgressions which he had committed, he shall surely live he shall not die. But the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not right. Are my ways not right, O house of Israel? Is it not your ways that are not right? You see the confusion? I mean, these folks are confused, right? It's confusion. Verse 19. Yet you say, why should the son not Bear the punishment for the father's iniquity. (laughs) What? (laughs) Because he didn't do it? (laughs) Yeah, I don't. You ever heard of the the Hatchfield and McCoy's? (laughs) Yeah, you ever, you ever, you ever seen gang violence and we, you know, this, this happens and this, and then years go by. You ever seen, you ever seen families and, and, and because of things that happened years ago, nobody can forgive. And so even though the new family members come up, we don't want to talk to the new family members because they're part of the old family who messed up years ago. I mean, you know the saga, right? We could write a book, couldn't we? And we could start talking about this one forever, couldn't we? The fact that, no, 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 you see, a son ought to bear the punishment for the father's sins. And there, there are religious doctrine built around that. That's why you baptize the baby, because the baby has the father or the mother's sin. That's not in the Bible. Forgiveness, brethren, 
Where's the forgiveness? Well, I don't like that family. Why not? Well, because 10 years ago, 20, 100 years ago, <laughs> I don't like that, right? We're so vengeful and stuck on ourselves and mixed up, just like Israel. Israel said, well, why, it does, why wouldn't the fathers who, who committed sin not pass all that down to the son? I just want to be mad at somebody, right? So when I couldn't get to the father, now I'm going to take it out on the children. God, you're not fair. We should be allowed to do that. Yet you say, why should the son not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity? When the son has practiced justice and righteousness and has observed all my statutes and done them, he shall surely live the person who sins will die the son will not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity nor will the father bear the punishment for the son's iniquity the righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself but if the wicked man turns from his sins which he has committed and observes all my statutes and practices justice in righteousness he shall surely live he shall not die and all his right all of his transgressions verse 22 which he has committed will not be remembered against him because of his righteousness which he has practiced he will live do i have any pleasure in the death of the wicked declares the lord god rather than that he should turn from his ways and live So the good shepherd king says, I live by the righteous standards, standards of righteousness. And part of the standards of righteousness is when a man does the right thing, he will be blessed. And when he does evil, he will be cursed. And even if that man who's done the right thing if when he stops doing the right thing and he steps into the realm of evil, there's going to be trouble. Jesus, turn to chapter 37, please. It's not only the righteous king, but I want you to see the transition. He's also the chief shepherd. And so chapter 37 goes into this, this vision of the valley of, of dry bones. And the question is, son of man, can these bones live? And God causes the bones to live. It's this revival, if you will, that God's going to shake Israel up, but he's going to bring them back into this amazing state and relationship with him. And then he goes to the parable of the two sticks. He's talking about Judah and Israel, how he would unite them through this chief shepherd, through, through this chief shepherd king though they had been scattered. And in verse 24, the Bible says, and my servant David will be king over them, and they will all have one shepherd, and they will walk in my ordinances and keep my statutes and observe them. And the problem, the problem that the people faced, chapter 34 again, please, chapter 34 is this, that 
the shepherds weren't doing their jobs. So God scolds the shepherds for not taking care of his united people, of his blessed people. Verse 20, the Bible says, Therefore thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, even I, will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with sigh and with shoulder and thrust at the weak with your horns until you have scattered them abroad. Terrible shepherds. Therefore, I will deliver my flock. They will no longer be prey. And I will judge between one sheep and another. And then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. He will feed them himself and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. And he's not talking about David as you know David, as I know David. Because David's dead and gone. He's talking about, about Jesus. And he, and I dealt with a lot of this in my lesson on Friday. But I want to talk to you just for a moment about some things I haven't dealt with. Chief Shepherd blesses the sheep by ensuring their protection. And he does this because of their vulnerabilities and weaknesses. Sheep. Just a lot like us. (laughs) Character. Very fitting that God would choose them. Sheep will not lay down unless they are free from all fear. Now he's talking to the shepherds, saying, shepherds, take care of my sheep. Make sure my sheep have no fear. They have no reason to be afraid. Sheep will not lay down unless they are free from problems with other sheep. Shepherds got to do his job, right? Got to be in there. You know, you know what we say about shepherds? They're supposed to stink like sheep. If your shepherd doesn't stink like sheep, then you don't have a very good shepherd. Right? Sometimes shepherds smell like diesel fuel, and the sheep smell like dust and dirt. Wrong kind of shepherd. Sheep are supposed to stink like sheep, or shepherds are supposed to stink like the sheep. Sheep will not lay down if they're being tormented by insects. Just won't do it. It's just not going to happen. Right? They're having problems. They're having, they're just, they're being, no. So the shepherd has to take the time Think about that now. It takes the time to, to not only lead the sheep in a place where there are no insects, or there are few, but, but he's got to go there and take the insects off the sheep. Spray them down with something, right? Give them some kind of protection. Help them out in some way and be tormented with the sheep until he can find a remedy. Sheep will not lay down if they're in need of finding food. Sheep are social creatures. And they need their flock. And so it's incumbent upon not just all of us, but even the shepherds to pay attention to everybody, right? The weak, the sick, the strong. Every, every sheep needs the care of God. And shepherds are supposed to lead the church to God and to God alone. And if they're not, you got bad shepherds. Horrible shepherds. 
Here's something that you got to remember too. If the sheep do not trust the shepherd, you'll never get them. You'll never, they will never allow you in their, into their space. You can't catch them. Every time you get to that spot where they're saying, you're invading my space, they'll just get away from you. You'll never catch them. They'll never come to you. So here's what God said. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 11 of Ezekiel 34. I'm about to let you go. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd and the day when he's among his scattered sheep. So I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them a good pasture. And the grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down in good grazing ground and they will feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick. For the fat and the strong I will destroy, and I will feed them with judgment. One shepherd, but not just shepherd, chief shepherd, but not just chief shepherd, chief shepherd king who rules in righteousness. And our chief shepherd king has a message that Ezekiel brings out to us. If you put it all together now. And all the, all the mistakes of Israel and the, and the accusations against God and, and, and the ways they lived their lives and, and the evil that was there. And then there was righteousness as well. And the times they were good and, and Judah was doing, they did the right things. And, and so in the good and the bad, the chief shepherd king has one message that never changes and is transparent from Genesis to Revelation. And I want to bring it out in the book of Ezekiel. It's in chapter 33. And that is this. That God is merciful, patient, just, and kind. And we already read it once. But I want us to read it again in closing. But this time in Ezekiel 33, beginning in verse 10. Now as for you, son of man, Say to the house of Israel, Thus you have spoken, saying, Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us, and we are rotting away in them. How then can we survive? Yeah. And we all got 
We all have sin. It's killing us. Killing the church. And we got to wake up. Right? We have to wake up. But here's God's message. In verse 11, he says, Say to them, as I live. Tracy, will you click that? It's not even there. Okay. That's why it's not up there. Man, now you have to listen to me. I'm reading it to you. Let me read it through first. Thank you. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. Why then will you die, O house of Israel? God doesn't want any of us to perish. Church, if you have struggles in your life that you need to make right with some folks, and you need to uh, go and say, I'm sorry. Go and make amends. Go and you got some things that you need to make known to the church. Maybe it's out there. This there's no better day than today. Today's the day to make amends. If there's anything we can do to help, we ask that you make that known to us. If you are struggling and you are a member of the body, and we can pray with you, pray for you. You're just getting to know God. You're just getting to know God, and we can pray for you and help you in any way. If you'd like to surrender to God in the waters of baptism, if we can help in any way, today's the day. Why don't you come while together we stand and sing our song?